This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joined to my right, that is Ryan Shumpert. Joined right across the table, well, that is Jack Foster. Today is Thursday, October 26th. Good morning to you both. How are we doing today? We got Kentucky just a couple days away for this Tennessee football team. How are y'all doing? I'm doing well. No complaints. Uh, nice uh, nice fall week. Is the, I feel like we're getting the leaves in uh, peak, peak form and... Obviously, uh, as it's been all October, a lot going on, so a lot to talk about. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It feels like we're in the jet stream, kind of through fall into the winter, temperature starting to drop, leaves starting to drop. It's a good time to be around. Jack, how you doing? Rick, it is not just any ordinary Thursday, October 26th. Oh, boy. It's not just any ordinary Thursday. It is a victory Thursday, Rick. <laughs> your Mavs <laughs> and Luka Doncic are 1-0 on the season. How about it? How about it? I saw Grant Williams played really well. Yeah, Grant played well. a big game. Well. Really played good defense on Victor. <laughs> and obviously, we're not on, it's not a video podcast. Yeah, we really love. So, what I did was, as I said, it's Victory Thursday. I unzipped my coats, unleashing this Luka Doncic 77 jersey. Yeah. Right. You, how? And he's, per, and like I said, he's literally across the table from us. I don't lie on those things. So Ryan and I are staring, you know, it was a great reveal. Well, what you also can't see is that the jersey is over a pullover, and he had a jacket on over that. <laughs> so I'm just wondering how much you were sweating in here for like the 20 minutes before Not before we started the podcast. Not a lot, really. Okay. It, was, it was pretty comfortable. That but, was tremendous. But I was like, okay, I can't wear the jersey and like a long sleeve tee like out, you know? So yeah. like this is what I'm going to wear out, but I had a jacket to cover it up. Yeah. So, yeah. For the reveal? Yes. Very go. nice. You're right. Grant Williams does play. Uh, did make his uh, season debut with the Dallas Mavericks yesterday. Did a good job. Uh, Victor Wimbiamba looks like the the slender man out there. It, he doesn't look real. It's kind of wild. I know this is certainly not NBA, but Grant Williams did a really good job of, of making life difficult for him in his first NBA game and just kind of kept getting under him, getting uh, kept kind of being a nuisance under him. So Grant Williams continuing to uh, make some yeah, good new good. moves with his new team. I loved how Luca and Grant were... Wearing matching shoes. That's, they were. I noticed that right away, too. That means they've already got great that's how I That's how I find my players right off the bat. It's just I know what shoes they're wearing. So, uh, Gentlemen, there's been a uh, – we're going to get into a, a full preview for the Kentucky game coming up. Uh, but there's been a lot going on this week already so far. We, we've certainly had a lot going on in the college football world with Michigan's whole sign-stealing scandal. And we've written about it, just kind of how Tennessee could be related to that or how, I guess – in some ways they are, in some ways they could be even more. So there's been that whole aspect. Josh Heupel actually touched on the tush push this week, which was something that's been taken over the college football world. And then something we'll get into on the very back end of the show today, Tennessee basketball has a exhibition game coming up this weekend. We got to watch practice yesterday, got to talk to some of the, the personnel inside the program. So it, it has not been a slow week by any stretch of the imagination. No, I don't think there's any slow weeks in October. Uh, maybe... Maybe an open date a little bit slower, but there's always stuff going on. So, plenty to get to, and and yeah, I mean the Michigan stuff has kind of been wild. somewhat, yeah, as a whole wild, and then the Tennessee part of it kind of come has come uh, come out of nowhere the last I don't know forty eight hours or so. Yeah, no, it, it certainly has, um, and, and we'll continue to kind of see how that develops. Uh, we're we're writing about it over on RockyTopInsider.com, so of course you can go and 
check out the website over there. We got a lot of great Tennessee news notes and coverage, but we will continue to kind of follow and update that story as it goes, as we can confirm what Tennessee has a part of it, or, or, or really, I guess, how they might have found themselves a part of it, uh, just this wild scandal. But until then, as we, we got a game to talk about with Kentucky coming up this week, and for Josh Heupel's Tennessee Volunteers, coming off of the 34-20 loss to Alabama next week, or last weekend, excuse me, Ryan, I'll start with you. Just kind of what's the broad story of this game to you as you've been able to think about it the last couple days through the week? I don't think it's any different than what we talked about after the game uh, or post-game podcast. Just at Tennessee, uh, you know, complete tale of two halves. Uh, I think you, looking back on it, I think some of, it's just a lot of the same in that Tennessee was unable to stop things going in the wrong direction. And especially the offense. I didn't think the offense was necessarily awful in the second half. Or as bad as, I mean, the numbers were awful. They were up 13 at halftime, and before they got two first downs, before they got across midfield, they were down by 14 points. So that's just horrific as of itself. Uh, but it, they just did some, you know, some things to really, not always the offense, but, you know, just to really set themselves back. This is not an offense that's going to start drives on the four yard line. And there's clearly not a lot of trust in Joe Milton to throw the ball out of his own end zone. That downs one drive. They finally kind of get their feet under them. They refuse to, to take their medicine and punt for midfield on fourth and one. That leads to things spiraling on them. The next drive, they hold on the first play of the drive. Again, not an offense that's built to come out of first and 20. So uh, I think it's a lot of the same things. And some of it's kind of tough luck with starting on the four-yard line. Um, but you kind of see how small those margins are. In football, that coaches talk about all the time, and you know about it, but I think that was a kind of a perfect example of how small the margins were for Tennessee's offense. And they weren't just horrific. It wasn't like at Florida where it felt like every play went awful for the yeah. offense, um, but they just made too many mistakes that an offense that's limited is not really capable of overcoming. Yeah, Ryan's right, and not much has changed, you know, as far as my thoughts go since the game. It's just that Tennessee's road woes continue, continue to not be able to overcome any sort of adversity or to change the momentum when it flips the other direction on the road. That is a concerning trend, especially with two road games coming up in the next three weeks. But I think something that gets a little lost after the game because the second half is what you remember most, and it's mm -hmm. what happened at the end. But Tennessee's passing offense was real was really good in the first half. Joe Milton w played the best half of football he has all year, probably of his Tennessee career. Squirrel White was, you know, pretty much at a breakout half as far as his season goes. Yeah. I was really impressed with what he did. Of course, the great touchdown catch. Ramel Keaton even made a physical catch, something we haven't quite seen from him this season. So. I think it's important to remember that we saw it from the Tennessee passing offense and that they can have a pulse that is pretty good. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with all that. And, and Ryan, I agree with what you said as well. Guys, forwarding the clock a little bit to this Saturday night in Lexington. Number 21, Tennessee, traveling north to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Both teams 5-2 and two on the year. Both teams 2-2 two and two in conference play. Kentucky, though, coming off of the bye last week. Now, Jack mentions the passing attack, and that's kind of where I want to go first with this game. To me, Ryan, in, in, in some ways... Which passing game is going to be able to be more efficient and effective this game? I think that's going to play a big part. Oh, certainly. And uh, I mean, I was just because neither neither has. No. I say that because neither's been great or, or no, anything like that. Neither has been good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is not like which uh, which great offense is going to take the next step and go next level. It's like which underwhelming passing attack can give their team enough. An, of a, enough of an advantage this weekend 
to propel their team forward. Yeah, well, Jack across the table, I think just earlier this morning, had his tell the tape story come out, which is uh, always a great preview. Uh, people should go check it out. Yeah, but it talking about the quarterbacks, and uh, he gave, you know, the, looking at Devin Leary, looking at Joe Milton, he gave the advantage to Tennessee, and on his first line of the explanation, explanation for it is not many quarterbacks have worse numbers than Joe Milton this season in the SEC, but Leary is one of them. And I think it's hard not to think Devin Leary has been one of the most disappointing players in the SEC. Uh, Transfers in from North Carolina State, I think, or I don't think I know, you know, a lot of outlets had him at the very least one of the best quarterbacks in the transfer portal. A couple of them, I think, had him as the best quarterback in the transfer portal. And it certainly felt like he was the best quarterback coming into the SEC this offseason from the portal. And he just hasn't been very good. And it's not all him. Uh, Kentucky still had some of the pass protection issues they had last year, and certainly the receivers, there hasn't been a ton of consistency there. So uh, it's not a good passing offense. It's two, like you said, not good, poor passing offenses. And what will be interesting is, as Jack said, Tennessee's passing game showed more life in that first half against Alabama. Um, can they do that again? It's everything with Joe Milton, the good. It has not only not been consistent, it's been – He's struggled, or Tennessee has struggled to continue productive offense from one week to the other, especially with the passing game. And really, even from that, I mean, it can be one drive to the next, or one quarter, one sure. half to the next. So uh, maybe there's some reasons to think Tennessee's passing game is turning a corner, or, or has can be better than we've seen it for most of the year because it was better in that Alabama first half. But I don't think there's a, a lot of I don't think it's as simple as like, yeah, Tennessee's turning a corner. They look better throwing the ball against Alabama. So we'll, we'll see on that end, and uh, it's going to be, in a lot of ways, kind of an old-fashioned football te- football game as two teams rely on their run game. And mm-hmm. really for both teams, but especially for Kentucky, it's r- real physical right at your running game. Yeah. yeah, and Tennessee has a good matchup too, as Kentucky is 107th in the FBS in opponent passing yards per game, so passing yards per game allowed. They haven't been that good against the pass this year. And just with what Milton showed last week is, you know, a big reason I gave Tennessee the advantage, too, in terms of quarterback play. So Devin Leary hasn't shown me anything to put any confidence in him. He's been very, very pedestrian this year, definitely an underwhelming season. And uh, I think Tennessee just has the edge there, and they have uh, better weapons, too, probably. Yeah, and, and, you know, you look at Kentucky's two last games, no one of them being against Georgia, where they just got their doors blown off in Athens. But but the Kentucky passing offense has gone absolutely nowhere in their last yep. two games, which have both been losses. So Kentucky, on the other side of things, I, I know we look at Tennessee and say that, you know, hey, they have a couple of their problems, and certainly a couple of them reared their ugly head against Alabama last weekend. But Kentucky's saying to themselves, what are we going to do to stop this slide right now? I, I think that they're in kind of a weird position where they got to find a win to avoid a third straight loss in SEC East competition. That bye week being in the middle, uh, you would wonder how much that helps them. But I, I do think that Tennessee's going to have opportunities to get creative offensively this weekend. But again, it, it comes down to how effective can you be with that passing game? How much can you build on what was happening last week? So on and so forth. Yeah, and I think the open date, you know, we talk about how important that it is for Tennessee or was for Tennessee and how good Heupel is. It's in his career off of it. Kentucky has, has not been that way. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think it's five and nine. Uh-huh. I don't have the number in front of me. I think that's Kentucky's record in, in Stoops tenure coming off an open date two years ago when Tennessee went into Lexington and won that you know thrilling game. I think it was 45-42 was the final. Very offensive-heavy game. Kentucky was coming off an open date in, in that game as well. And Tennessee, again, I think was coming off the Alabama game. So very similar situations in the schedule. So 
Uh, maybe not as important for Kentucky. It does help them get a few guys that have been banged up back, uh, especially on the offensive line. It sounds like there's a good chance this is going to be the first game since the season opener that Kentucky's offensive line is at full strength, uh, but maybe not quite the importance that you could think of with, with some other teams, and especially the importance we kind of put on it for Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, this game's going to be one in the trenches. It's going to be an old-school football game. And it feels like that's just kind of been the story these past few yeah. games for Tennessee. With A&M, great defensive line versus great defensive line. You know, an offensive line play, too, has been really important. I think offensive line play will be more important than defensive line play in this game just because they've been so good and which defensive line can, you know, penetrate better than the other. So Kentucky's defensive line doesn't have great numbers. I do expect Tennessee's unit to have a larger impact, but – it's going to be one to watch in the running game, too. Yeah, and I, I like that thought about the offensive line as well just because you, you've really been able to see where this line has been able to be successful getting the yards for the running backs this season. A lot of it is being able to get through the defensive line and, and then get some sort of hand, some sort of body on one of the guys in that middle part of the defense. That's how they've been able to really get those six, seven, eight, nine-yard runs, and they've been able to get them consistently. I felt like that kind of was lacking a little bit in the Alabama game. A tougher time getting through that defensive line. Those linebackers for Alabama really, really played well. So I think that this is a big bounce-back opportunity for that line. Not that, not that again, last week was, was tragic or anything, but I think they'll have opportunities to show a little bit more of the form that they've been used to so far this whole season. Jack said it well too that you know about how every game kind of feels this way for Tennessee and certainly this is how Tennessee is built and if you don't have good quarterback play so much is just going to be relying on the line of scrimmage but that's so many teams in SEC this year I mean we're talking about a conference sure. that lost Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, uh, Stetson Bennett, Anthony Richardson, Levis. Will Levis even though he was wasn't particularly say, good <laughs> I mean he's he's better than Devin Leary yeah, I mean no, he's he's yeah. not great but he was no. better than Devin Leary so uh, this conference lost a lot of good quarterbacks and at the very least solid quarterbacks and you just look across the conference I mean Jaden Daniels is really good Spencer Rattler is I think better than he's been even though South Carolina is not very good but besides that there aren't many teams you point to and are like, they have better quarterback play than they did last season. So it's kind of predictable that a lot of these games just across the conference have turned into more run first, old school physicality along the line of scrimmage is going to decide the game type of battles. Yeah. Yeah, I think the running backs are is what you look at on each offense too. Of course, Ray Davis, his numbers are tad... I won't say skewed because he's had a really good season, but I mean, he had a 200... Florida game was. He had a 280-yard game. Yeah. So that... Bumps up his numbers significantly, but he does lead the SEC in pretty much every category. I've been beating the drum that Jalen Wright is the SEC's best back. The fact that he could not run at all against Alabama makes me temper that just a tad, but I think these are two of the best, if not the two best running backs in the SEC going at it. And of course, you know, Tennessee still has small and Samson, but, and also something to keep in mind, Davis has been pretty good in the passing game, too. He has five receiving touchdowns, 13 total touchdowns on the year. Sure. So you can't discredit that. Yeah, you got to find a way to bottle them up in, in the red zone, starting when they're getting in scoring range. Got to figure out how to be disciplined in your eyes. And that's something a lot of the players and this coaching staff has talked about this week. You know, understand. Last week, it was understanding the challenge of what Jalen Milrow really brought to the table, right? The fact that he could use his legs, he could expense, extend space, he could create space, and then use that that throwing game to his advantage downfield. Obviously, Jace McClellan ended up running really well against Tennessee as well, but I think the challenge for the team this week and something that was talked about was they got to be disciplined in the gaps, got to be disciplined with the eyes because they know that Ray Davis can attack you from a bunch of different angles when he's out there on the football field for the Kentucky Wildcats. 
and Ray Davis new to Kentucky, but not new to the SEC. Transferred sure. in from Vanderbilt, a guy Tennessee has seen each of the last two seasons. So uh, he's a really good running back, and it's it's funny. I think he and Devin Leary committed to Kentucky, if not on the same day, you know, back to back essentially. And at yes. the time, you kind of looked at the two, and you know, Ray Davis is a good player at Kentucky or at Vanderbilt, and not like I didn't think he was good, but it's like, yeah, running back. They're kind of good running backs, kind of a dime a dozen. Yeah. This isn't a huge deal. Devin Leary deal just towered over it, in my opinion. And, yeah. and obviously, quarterback's still important, and Devin Leary's starting. But it is kind of funny to look back on hindsight and like, just how important <laughs> Ray Davis has been to any Kentucky success offensively and how underwhelming Devin Leary's been. Yeah, he's been the game changer. Devin Leary yeah, has yes. not been a game changer. He's been a borderline liability. So Ray Davis has been their offense. He's been the reason they started you know a, a main reason they started five and zero, and we're so hyped up entering that georgia game yeah yeah you know guys going back to something that i was just talking about a second ago and and just kind of thinking about it in my head one of the other things that that brian jean marie talked about this week when he was with the media was that he was pleased with the development of those young linebackers and it really just kind of made me think how much they've had to kind of be forced into play this year with, with the injury that keenan peely suffered uh, between the first and second weeks of the season, this is going to be another big game for them, big opportunity for them, going to have to play well on the road, big environment, night game, a lot of different factors going into it. But I, I, I do think that Tennessee's, uh, Tennessee's linebackers, they're going to be asked to, to do a lot. They're going to be challenged this week, and we'll see how they step up to it. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that topic, so I'm glad you brought it up. But first, I'll just say, this is a Keenan Peely game. Like This is a game Tennessee <laughs> yeah. loved to have Keenan yeah. Peely in. And, again, we didn't get a much of a long look at him. He played, what, 25 snaps or so in that Virginia game before getting hurt. Yeah. So maybe he could have done a lot more than this. But what we knew for a fact Keenan Peely could do was play between tackles and be really effective in physical running games. And granted, just the size. Just to our point, and yeah, and that and what, he, what he did well at uh, BYU, too. And just to... To our point earlier, there are a lot of games like that, but I think Kentucky has been uh, the most, or maybe the most prevalent. So uh, that's a big loss. Obviously, Tennessee has, those guys have gotten a lot of experience. I do think, you know, behind hiring, you know, Carter, T. Lander, and uh, Perry. Perry. Yes, they, they played less last week than they had played uh, the couple weeks before. I think this is a game, maybe not as much for Perry because he's kind of the third down linebacker, but for Carter and T. Lander, I think this is a game you see those guys, their snaps go up and, and okay. kind of be more like they were because I think both those guys, what they do best right now is just very much base linebacker instincts. Yeah. They're Flight big, the they're physical. Yeah, see ball, run the ball, tackle. I think that's kind of what those guys do best, and that's not that Kentucky's not going to run play action but and stuff like that, but if you take away Kentucky's run game, uh, you're you're going to be able to have a lot of success on defense. I don't think we've talked about this a lot, but I'm curious y'all's thoughts just on how Elijah Herring's done filling in for Keenan Pilly. Because it, we get so lost in James Pierce and the big play guys for Tennessee that we talk about all the time, but Elijah Herring's someone that you know we haven't really touched on a whole lot. I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been fantastic, but it's when you talk about a sophomore who's played a little bit of football as a freshman and was Tennessee's third linebacker coming into the year, I think it's kind of what you expect. He, to me, plays like a third linebacker on a solid SEC unit. He's not a star, uh, but he's not a liability out there. And it, it kind of, you know, I, I think about what we saw from Aaron Beasley as a sophomore in 2021. Mm -hmm. He played more uh, or would have played, you know, played more without having injuries. But 
Aaron Beasley wasn't a perfect player. He was solid, um, and you've seen him get a lot better. And I think I, I've kind of had that thought even maybe earlier this week or early in the season about Herring, that this is a guy that's not a finished product right now. Uh, he hasn't just been great out there. There have been times he's made mistakes. First play against second half against Alabama, he goes the wrong way on a misdirection, and they run right past him for 30 yards. Um, but for the most part, he's not a guy you're like, wow, he's just a liability out there. And I think there's a lot of physical tools that you can see him continuing to get better and being – in the long term, you know, a, a good SEC starting linebacker for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And I also think one of the interesting things you think about is just he, he's been thrown into the fire, right? Yeah. He's had to take a big jump from the freshman year to the sophomore year. I believe he passed his freshman year's tackling total in the first half of the third game of the season <laughs> this year, right? So, yeah. like, and from that point on, from halftime of the Florida game on, it was all uncharted waters. It was all new territory for him. So, I think exactly like Ryan said, maybe the the – He's not a finished product, but he's been really developmental, and he's grown a lot this year. I think that's one of the best kind of compliments you can give to a guy like that because, again, it's saying, hey, it's not like you had a just this whole plethora of an experience to draw on from last year. It's like you got good moments. You got some good experience, but he quickly surpassed that into this year as well, and he's just quadrupled his total uh, through the first seven games of the year in terms of tackling right now. So uh, I think that's a great point for that. what Ryan said, just kind of a unfinished product, but he has a, a impressed me from what I've seen so far this year. No doubt. It'll be, you know, interesting to see just how much better he can get towards the end of the year and then kind of what we, other part of what we're talking about with the three other uh, underclassmen that we mentioned. Just hey, oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You, well, you, you, just... you, stopped my, you completely stopped my train of thought. Darn it. That's my bad. I just kind of, uh, I had a thought and I just kind of went for it right away. Then I, then I acted like... You were interrupting me. Uh, no, my, my thought, I will interrupt you. My thought was just it'll be interesting to see how much <laughs> those freshmen play as the season progresses and how much better they get. You've been doing thought. a lot of the uh, the pro football focus grades and kind of studying that each weekend after the Tennessee games. How, how Just from kind of the top of your head, uh, how has Elijah Herring been as far as the numbers, whether it be week to week, whether it be throughout the full season, just kind of, you know, do you have any kind of recollection or memory about just kind of where he's he stood out in terms of those numbers? No, not the end-all, be-all, but... Yeah, sol- solid. Yeah, I got him pulled up now. He was very bad in the Alabama game uh, last week. Besides that, has been pretty good. Wasn't very good against against Florida either, but in his snap South counts. Carolina, Texas A&M game, UTSA game, played, you know, well in those games, according it, to PFF. Has the snap count been, like, above 85% every game, you think? Mm, no, probably not. Uh, let's see. Oh, I'm so bad at math. 51 against Austin P. 53 against Florida. 53 against UTSA. 37 against South Carolina. 46 against no, A and yeah, I doubt it. Then 54 against Alabama. And most of these games they've been playing around 70. 70. So yeah, whatever the math would would come out to on that. Not I'm not sure, but not 80. Not 80 yeah. percent. Special teams. Jackson Ross ha- has really kind of found his groove over the last couple weeks, wouldn't you say? No doubt. I mean, he's been he's been really good. And he, if Tennessee could have just played poorly in the second half and not really poorly and kept it a game for all four quarters late into the game, I think you would. Or if Josh Heupel would have decided to punt on that second drive of the second half, I think you easily could have looked back on that game and said, "Wow, Jackson Ross was a, was huge for Tennessee, and Kool Aid McKinstry was also huge for Tennessee with his struggles uh, of <laughs> yeah. making yeah. poor decision making on to whether to return it, whether to catch the ball, whether to let it bounce." So that went into it too. But no, I mean Josh Heupel after that Virginia game, pretty 
vehemently defended Jackson Ross, and we didn't see Ross necessarily just radically improve right away. It's kind of been a slow and steady improvement, but he's, you know, to me, not to don't mean to take a you know a shot at Paxton Brooks or anything, but I think Jackson Ross has been better this season than, than Paxton Brooks was, was last year. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. just with the rugby style, uh, it is kind of funny that Tennessee, I don't know if y'all seen it, they've been touting it some on social media of how good the uh, punt coverage team is and how they haven't given up yards. Well, don't mean to disrespect the punt coverage team, but that <laughs> is largely because you got a rugby style punter, and that's just one yeah. of the big strengths of it is uh, Jackson Ross running around back there. It gives gives uh, Tennessee's players time to get down the field, and typically Ross is kind of a low line drive kicker too, which uh, can put punt returners like Kool-Aid McKinstry in kind of tough spots, yeah. uh, uh, you know, quick decision making as to what they have to do, and they don't have as long with the ball in the air to kind of make those reads. That's yeah. a great point. I can't remember how many shanks he had in the first couple of weeks, but I would venture to say three to four punts under 40 yards, under 35 even maybe. There were a couple of shanks in the there, first two there games. There were a good couple. And now he's averaging 44 yards a punt on the season. He has 12 down inside the 20 and seven punts of 50 or more yards. Yeah. And that's 12 punts down inside the 20 of 29 punts total. So that's a really good is. Uh, ratio. Yeah. So he's doing really well. I agree, and once again, I, I I say it as much as I can. It just from a football fan, from a sports fan, I love the way he can do it with both legs. Like I just, that'll <laughs> never get old to me. Never. He gets the punt. You kind of feel like you know which way he might be going. Then he does it, or then he doesn't do it, and you're like, wow, that's just something else right there. Like wow, it's something we're gonna. I love it. I, I know I've ref- I referenced this on the podcast before of how, you know, one thing with our jobs we go back do is watch. All these coaches, opponents, coaches, press conferences each week before. It's for however many years Jackson Ross will continue to play at Tennessee. It's something I every single coach is going to mention. They got a punter and punt with both legs because <laughs> every single one has referenced it this season, and I'm sure uh, that, that will not stop going forward. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, special teams as a whole, we know what D. Williams brings to the table. Wasn't a, you know, nothing to talk about from last week's game, but. This is a type of game where another play like that could mean something big because yeah. I honestly think that Tennessee could dominate this game more so than I think T- Kentucky could, but regardless, they're on the road. It's going to be tough, so a big special teams play could mean a lot. Ryan, let me ask you this. Was it after the Texas A&M game? It was now that I'm remembering it. A couple questions about D. Williams potentially playing offense, right? He, he was photographed with the wide receivers in Kelsey Post's picture. Do you think we potentially see D. Williams' offensive snaps this week? I'll believe it when I see it. I I don't know where D. Williams plays on offense besides slot receiver and yeah. Squirrel White's Tennessee's Squirrel White's Tennessee's best receiver and uh, you know their best perimeter playmaker. So I just have a hard time thinking you're going to see D. Williams. Maybe we will see him at some point this season, but even if we do, I think it's going to be limited in a very, very small role. And if we do, or I guess before we do, I'm kind of in, all right, let's 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 see it before I, I believe it right mode. Before we get to just kind of which way are we leaning for this game, of course, today is Thursday. We will have predictions for the game coming out on Friday. Anything else just on Tennessee's offense, Kentucky's offense, anything else from this game that we might have missed so far on the way in the preview? We talked about how Joe Milton would have to make a few great plays to win against Alabama. I don't, I'm not there, but I do think Joe Milton will have to be pretty good for Tennessee to have the advantage here. And Jalen Rice just got to get back on track. I expect him, to, I expect him to, but I think the game will solely just revolve around those two players for Tennessee. Just if Joe Milton is not 
a dumpster fire like we saw against Texas A&M. And if Jalen Wright can get back on track, Tennessee's offense should be in good shape against a Kentucky defense that just really isn't that great. Yeah, I don't think Kentucky's defense is like bad, but there's nothing that they'd really do spectacular. Uh, I think the secondary... They got pretty good linebacker play, but yeah. Yeah, and the secondary I think is pretty solid, but the real lack of pass rush has kind of made it where their pass defense isn't like elite by any means. So uh, we'll see, and you're right. I think that's a good point. I haven't hardly thought about it all week of... Tennessee getting its run game back on track because obviously that's besides Milton running the ball last week that really struggled against Alabama and I think it's easy to give Alabama a lot of the credit and they probably you know do deserve a lot of credit but Tennessee's by far Tennessee's two worst games running the football this year are the two games they've been on the road and we don't you know I don't think Kroger Field's going to be certainly not going to be anywhere near the environment the Swamp was I don't think it's going to be the environment that Bryant Denny Stadium Stadium was last week uh, but it is kind of something to watch and kind of a typical football. We haven't seen it yet, so maybe it's not wise to just completely assume that that's a no-brainer, that Tennessee's going to be able to go back to running the ball extremely well like they, they have for most of their games yeah. this season. As I know, I kind of teased personally last week that if Tennessee were to lose to Alabama on the road, it might make me feel worse about Kentucky. I still am leaning for Tennessee for this game. How much? I do not know. Still leaning for Tennessee. You said last week oh, you're going to pick Kentucky. True. I guess that's true. Okay, I miss... I miss uh, <laughs> Misremembered? I can't even say that. I just said the wrong thing, to be honest. Uh, so I'm leaning towards Tennessee. <laughs> you, I thought you, say, were, you thought you were slick. You were going to get away with that one. I'm now leaning yes. towards Tennessee for this game. I feel there pretty go. good about it. I don't know what the points will be. We'll figure that out for the preview tomorrow. But um, certainly leaning towards Tennessee. Yeah, I kind of like Tennessee, too. Uh, we'll see. And they, this is probably just fool's gold. Did I buy anything into this? But you know, I kind of liked how... Tennessee's veterans have talked to the media this week and how it seems like they have turned the page and they're moving on from the Alabama loss. And Josh Heupel coach teams, I think, have in his career been pretty good uh, at coming off of whether it's debilitating losses, heartbreaking losses, or really, really big wins, which obviously this isn't the case. They've been good at resetting week to week. So uh, I think Tennessee's the better team. I'm kind of with you. I don't know what I'm going to have the score at uh, right now. But as long as Tennessee can hold their own physical, physically against Kentucky's run game. I yeah. kind of have – and if that happens and Joe Milton doesn't just completely lose Tennessee the game, I have a hard time thinking exactly. Tennessee will lose. But yeah. that's kind of the thing with Joe Milton and his inconsistency. <laughs> it feels like he's prone to lose Tennessee a game really at any point. I have confidence Joe Milton will not lose Tennessee the game, whereas Devin Leary could lose ten- Kentucky the game. He leads the SEC in interceptions thrown this season. So – I'm going Tennessee. It might be kind of big. Like it might be a two-score victory in my prediction. I, don't I can know. see it too. We'll yeah. see. But uh, but yeah, I, I think Tennessee will not get gashed by Ray Davis. When's the when's the last time we saw Tennessee just absolutely get gashed by a running back? I know you're thinking Trevor Etienne, but some of those big runs were, as you kind of put it, sometimes Mickey Mouse because I mean, come on, <laughs> and bumped him on the way to a 50 plus yard. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, they, I would actually a lot of tackles. I would game. say the last game t- Tennessee's gotten gashed on the ground was Kentucky two years ago. Okay. Yes. Which I think is uh, why it, it's Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez, which I think is kind of why it's in my head this week. Or Matt Corral. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that guy yeah. had like 200 rushing yards? Uh, I think 170, something like that. That's crazy. That would have been before the Kentucky game. Wow, uh, and obviously a lot of those were, were scrambles and stuff. Right. But, but you're right. He, yes. That had to be one of the most, from the Tennessee side of it, the most infuriating, just mind-numbing performances is Ole Miss ran quarterback draw after quarterback draw on third and seven and just <laughs> got it continually every time. got it. Because Tennessee would do nothing. Tennessee started spying uh, 
you know, spy and corral and then credit to Lane Kiffin. I mean, he schemed it up well where just the, the free offense alignment, his job on every single play was immediately to run. To, they had it figured out who the spy was to immediately run to him. And yeah, that was that's a good throwback, a throwback yeah. comparison. I got to go find the numbers now for that game. But just looking at Tennessee defense over the past couple of years, don't think they get gashed by Ray Davis. And I, I feel confident Tennessee will get out of Lexington with a dub. We will have our predictions coming out on Friday. RockyTopInsider.com again. This game between Tennessee and Kentucky. Number 21 volunteers against the Wildcats. 7 o'clock p.m. in uh, Lexington coming up this Saturday night. We will be there. All three of us will be there, so make sure you are following the coverage as we go. 30, what are you seeing? 30 for 195 for Matt Corral. On <laughs> wow. He ran the ball 30 times. That's, that's like Tim. That's like prime Tim Tebow for it. He might not have even ever ran and the ball that many. he threw it 38? Yeah, he threw 21 of 38, 231, two touchdowns. So he had 68 plays that, where he was directly responsible for the, that you know, game not was, just a handoff or, or whatever it is. I mean, you, that's incredible. If you love offense, that you loved that game. Oh yeah, I mean, but it, it was only but it thirty-one even, to twenty-six. Yeah, it wasn't even that high but, scoring of a game, uh, but it, it was it was entertaining. And we talked, Jack and I love this stat. And we talk about it all the time with Jalen Wright. Matt Corral averaged six and a half yards per carry that game, and his longest run was thirty-two yards. So he was just constantly, yeah. And that's, I mean, you got to think about it too. It's just college football, so a sack counts as a, <laughs> right. as a negative rushing yards. <laughs> so he's probably got. Again, I don't know. Let's, see if, let's has, see if we can find. He probably has 200 game yards. Oh, no they don't defensive have, stats? They don't have any. for a 2021 game? Yeah, they don't have defensive stats in here. So I don't know if, if Tennessee sacked Matt Corral. I guess they. the only play I can think of is when Tennessee should have had to scoop and score on fourth down, and they rolled Matt Corral down oh, by forward Barons. progress. Yeah, yeah that's right. That, that run probably lost four or five yards, and I don't know if they had a sack besides that. But at least one negative, negative rushing play that's in that game. That's wild. And, and Corral still averaged six and a half per, per carry. We will have those predictions coming up on the website on Friday morning, but I want to switch gears real quick. We don't have a ton of time to get into it. we got a Josh Heupel press conference, as always, coming up in just about 25 minutes here or so. But, uh, Ryan, we got to watch a little bit of Tennessee basketball practice yesterday. Got to talk to both Rick Barnes and Josiah Jordan-James on the court at, it's going to take me a minute to, to continue to remember this, Food City Center. Food City Center. Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. There you go. The summit at Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. <laughs> Just to add another layer. Wait. On the University of Tennessee campus in Knoxville, Tennessee. There T- you go. TBAAFCC. Yes. But Oof. I like going Oof. first A capitalized, second A lowercase. TB- TBA all caps, lowercase a, FCC all caps. That's so, that's all so caps. ugly. <laughs> I think that looks Just better than the a, at big, sign at that point. Yeah, that's actually. I think that's actually a good point. Yeah, that might that might be it. But that could also throw things off on X if you use the at sign. Ah, like, that is true. What do you mean? That's true. Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, Ryan, the team is going to go to uh, East Lansing coming up this weekend. That's going to be a three thirty p.m. Eastern time game on Sunday afternoon. It's going to be an exhibition. You have number four Michigan State versus number nine Tennessee. You will be there. Yep. What do you what What are you looking to learn about this Tennessee team? It's just an exhibition. But fans will be there. This is a Tom Izzo-led team, so of course they're going to be good and ready. What, what are you looking for? What can Tennessee maybe look at in this game? Well, I think what's going to be interesting is we know Santiago Vescovi will not be playing. Uh, he's flying back to, to Uruguay today to spend some time with his family. His, his grandmother's really sick, really ill, so prayers to the Vescovi family. Uh, 
be having, you know, have them in your thoughts and prayers. So Tennessee won't have Santiago Vescovi. We'll see whether they have Zakai Ziegler. He did a lot in practice going full court. So it seems like he's it's really remarkable to it, see it is really remarkable. Hit him on the court. Yeah, it really is seeing it, how much he's done. He's mind. doing this quickly. But with all that being said, even if he does, Tennessee didn't say whether they said we're not sure. We'll decide probably on Saturday whether he's in a play or not. Even if he does play, I can't imagine Tennessee is going to play him a ton. He's not going to go out there and play 25 minutes in this game. Right. So I think what to me is going to be interesting, and more than this is just really winning the game. It's if th- those guys don't play a ton, I have a hard time thinking Tennessee is going to go on the road, even though it's not a regular season game, and beat a top five team. But I just want to see the guy, one of the newcomers, Freddie DeLeon, mm. Jordan Ganey. Yes, Jordan Ganey, not Justin Ganey. That's going to kill me all season. It which is. one's which? It's going to kill me too. And Dalton Connect. What do those guys look like? And then some of those guys at Tennessee's hopeful or taking another step forward. Jemai Meshack, Tobey Awaka, Jonas Adu. What do those guys look like? I think it's almost more seeing some guys individually and seeing what they can do on the offensive end and then just how some of it meshes together. Yeah, what about the rotations? That's what I would be. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be less interested in the rotations because you're not going to have those guys. I think maybe the big man rotations and how much they play four guards is going to be will be interesting. Um, but it's just going to be a lot of guys. Tennessee is a good chance... We know they're not going to have their best offensive player from last year out there. They may not have their second best offensive player out there. So where does the offense come from? How smooth do things look on that end of the court? To me, that'll be the stuff that I'll be really interested to see, and it's going to be against a a Michigan State team that's not maybe not as defensive-minded and physical as Tennessee, but very much has a lot of that same identity and blueprint. So it's not going to be it's not going to be like last year when they played Gonzaga, when Gonzaga is a very much offensive-minded team. Uh, It's going to be a tough task for Tennessee to score in this game. And I think it'll be, you know, not the end all be all what we see in this game, but uh, it will be kind of a good test and give us a little bit of an idea. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens on Sunday and uh, we will certainly be bringing you all the action live from Lansing. Oh, that's got to get alliteration to it. Live Live from Lansing, even though I took the East out there, but yeah, same, same, same thing. It right? is the same thing. Okay, yeah. I actually don't even really understand the whole dynamics because Lansing. I've been. This is my second time. No kidding. Yes, Furman, where my brother played football. Uh, play played open to 2017 college football season uh, go at Pals. Michigan State. Go Paladins. Michigan State. This is all meaningless stuff. But Michigan State. That was the year after they'd won the Big Ten and made it to the playoffs. And that, uh, Furman had the ball in like early fourth quarter down by seven. So it was wow. the first game after that. It was like, all right, this Michigan State team is not the one they had last year. And then I think they ended up going three and nine. So they were clearly not good. Uh, but all that to say, when I was in Lansing for that game, Lansing is like the same area. It is the capital. But East Lansing is different in where Michigan State's campus is. So I guess it's just like a suburb. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I don't understand that whole situation. But You think Freddie DeLeon has a case for the best hair? In Tennessee basketball history? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because his hair changes just about every week. <laughs> I know, that's so what, why. what haircut are you? No, I'm are, all, all. It's encompassing. He's definitely got the best repertoire and multiple things, multiple haircuts to, to fall back on. He had the really long hair last year, but then the offseason, the summer, and everything goes by, and it's so much longer this year. I mean, it, it is wild. I, I, I am so fascinated by it. I, it's one of the, uh, it's one of my big takeaways this offseason, you know, honestly. His hair. It's not. It's not. Don't worry. Got other takeaways. <laughs> yeah, no, his his hair is wild, and that'll be fun to... I'm all, I, myself, am already excited for the first time to see someone on Twitter 
when Freddie has, you know, inevitable freshman struggles this year, being saying something to the extent of if he cared more about basketball and less about his hair, <laughs> changing his hair, maybe he'd be better. So I'm already excited yeah. to see that. That was yeah. a classic fan take whenever it comes for the first time this season. It's a big thing in women's basketball, too. I remember that was always a thing with Tamar yeah. Hockey. Was it? Yeah. 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 All right, let's uh, give you a preview of the weekend super, super quickly. Again, on Saturday, all three of us will be in Lexington for the game between Tennessee and Kentucky, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Then on Sunday, Ryan will be in Lansing following the Tennessee basketball exhibition game. That's going to be number four Michigan State uh, versus, excuse me, uh, number nine Tennessee. That is going to be... At Michigan State, fans are going to be there. It's going to be on the Big Ten Network, so it might be a little bit difficult to view depending on what your situation is. I don't really know how to give you the best advice for that. Uh, I'm going to be figuring out this weekend myself as well. But, man, this is a great weekend kind of right here at the end of October to get you set for November. November's the big crossover month. A lot of basketball, a lot of football, all at the same time. So this is a really good kind of tease to get you right there into the weekend. But it's going to be a big weekend. We will be at both games, so we will be everywhere. Uh, so make sure you're staying tuned in to Rocky Top Insider. Yeah, and before we come back for another one of these podcasts, Tennessee also incredibly quick turnaround. They play... Their second exhibition game on Tuesday night uh, against Lenore Ryan. So it's like forty eight hour gap, and they'll play. And that's again, on so. uh, Halloween night. On Halloween night, Spooky. that's right. Yeah. So oh, first night of the CFP rankings. That's right. Oh wow! A little less important this year. Yeah. <laughs> For our our perspective, that yeah. is true. I'm that. sure. Well, if Tennessee wins this weekend, they'll be they'll be in those rankings. So we'll have a piece out on where Tennessee stands. Yeah. yeah no doubt about oh, it. Oh, if you know, if they win this weekend. Follow us along at RockyTompInsider.com. That's where we put all of our news articles each and every day. Otherwise, make sure you're following along with the social media. That would be at RockyTompInsider on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. If you want to follow Jack, you can do that at Jack Foster Media. If you want to follow Ryan Shumpert, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow myself, that's at Rick underscore Butler. But of course, just make sure you're staying, uh, staying tuned in to RockyTopInsider.com so that you can follow all three of us at the same time. We'll be at both games this weekend. We will bring you all the news that you need to know from both. Uh, man, and we're going to try to have some fun while we do it. So thank you so much for listening to the show today. Gentlemen, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, go ahead and tell a friend about the show. We would love for you to do that. Uh, we work hard to give you a great show every Thursday. Uh, and then also, because of that, hey, leave us a five-star rating. We'd love to hear it. Leave us a review. We'd love to read that. Uh, this is always special to get to talk to you guys in that way. So thank you so much for listening to the program today. We will have a big sports weekend coming up. We will have it covered for you. Thanks to Rocky Top Insider. For Jack, for Ryan, I'm Rick. You've been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast.